On, there we go. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here. You know, Christmas is always an interesting time of year for me. It's an interesting me- meeting and day as well that we have, you know. And uh, I often find this, this time, yeah, just get to the second one, and then you can just start the presentation. That's the, the main reason for the season. That's right, eh? Start pre- bottom right. There's that little thing on the bottom there. Yeah. There, go left, go left. No, 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 way to left. Right, right, slowly. Come on, bro. Do you work on Apple or do you work on uh, Microsoft? It's the little bottom thing. Do you want me to walk up to the screen and show you? Just say, start PowerPoint. Anyone who can help me with Microsoft, go for it. Please give him a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we help the guy. Yeah. Goodness. There, yeah, there. Whoa, oh. Yay! No, it didn't work. Okay, never mind. That's technical. We're not going to worry about that. Christmas is always an interesting time for me because I find, I find that there's not disillusionment, but that feels like there's a little bit of that that goes around. Even, even in this room this morning, we're singing and we're feeling, we're waiting for something and we're waiting for this feeling and it's not arriving. And we're feeling something because the world has sold us a narrative when it comes to this time of the year, which is not our narrative. It's all about snowflakes and tinsel and all that stuff that happens and all that plays out. It's so bigger and beyond that, folks. And we've got to realize that. We've got to understand that. Because we look at the world and we send from South Africa, we send Christmas cards to people who ever sends Christmas cards. I still receive some Christmas cards. Someone in America sends me a card every year, but it arrives in March. (laughs) And it's got snowflakes and everything on. We never have snow in Christmas. But see how the narrative of the world sells us something. Okay, well done. Then it took about seven of them to make sure that PowerPoint worked. Okay, but uh, we're not going to have a sweet little Christmas service here and we look at Jesus and it's all sweet, still in a manger, it's beyond that. Okay, that sums it up for me. This is the reason. Okay, this is the season. We're celebrating now, but there was a reason it happened. And I know it sounds corny, this Jesus is the reason for the season, but it is, folks. And we can't sit and look at it and go, oh, it's all sweet and nice. This is not sweet and nice. This cost somebody that happened here this morning. And I want to paint you this morning the whole picture, okay? And he's doing cardwells. He's so excited about Christmas, okay? Okay, I want to paint you the whole picture this morning. As you go and you join, you celebrate your families this afternoon, you have time and fun. There's a context to what we're doing here today. And the world has grasped this narrative and they all have all this incredible fun, but they won't acknowledge who it's about. Okay, and in America, they try to change it from Christmas to happy holidays. Okay, because there's this, the narrative that they're going for. So I want to read, interestingly, a lot of the songs are about the light, light of the world. John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that word, Word, is logos. And it's, and it's not just about a word that you would hear now. It's basically speaking about a message that's coming. So Jesus was God's message to the world. Here I am. He is my story. I'm going to help and I'm going to part to you this Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So nothing existed because of without him. Okay? In him was life, and the light, then the life was the light of men. 
The light, this is the lineup. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay, he's talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Okay, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and to his own people did not receive him. I'm speaking about the Jewish people now. Jesus came to the Jewish people. His own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, that's you and I now as Gentiles, okay, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the message beautifully says it, that the word became flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. It's like Jesus has now moved next door to you. You're going to stop shouting at the dogs. You're going to stop acting. If Jesus moves next door, how are you going to start behaving? Hey, he moved into the neighborhood and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Truth, grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I've said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Like the waves of the ocean, his grace just pours out to us. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. Okay, there's a point that Jesus came, and I want to share this whole picture with you today, is that he came to show us the Father. He came to show us what he's like. So now if we look at the realities of, we've adjusted everything this weekend, that we don't have church tomorrow, we have it today, because it's Christmas. And you think, well, it's obvious, Sheldon, like, of course it's Christmas. But like, woe that we would let go of tradition and change it and do it another kind of way or how things work out. Tradition is probably one of the most powerful downfalls in the church. Because we hold on to things without thinking about it. But we've always done it like that. But if you ask why we do it, just do it over and over and over again. They do it for a century. And then someone comes like, wait a second. Why don't we just try something different? Tradition is very powerful. And why do we have to have it on Christmas Day? Because the world is celebrating it today. Are we going along with tradition? I want you to start thinking like that. See where I'm going. Don't just take everything for granted, but how the world dictates how we, need to, how we need to celebrate this time of the year, okay? And I know you say it seems obvious, but the Bible never shows the birth of Jesus as a recurring festival or feast, ever. Even the New Testament, it never shows any recurring, yay, Jesus was born around this time, okay? All right, you, you're going with me. You're looking at me going, where are you going, Sheldon? It's Christmas. Lighten up, bro. Stopping so heavy. I want you to see the, the I want you to see the real the meaning of this today. Okay, we can't be disillusioned by the world's narrative. Do you know that Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December? Okay. He wasn't even born in December. Okay, and here we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. Okay? And I know it seems obvious, but there, there were Passovers. And festivals and those things ran 
according to specific time frames. If you read the Old Testament, they are specific, like to the day where you celebrate them. This is not one of those repeat ones. So who decided this? Who decided about Santa Claus? You know, all the things that are added to this that detract from the grace and truth that came into this world. Okay? So now, if we look at, it's not this 25th of December that Jesus was born. They say it was more like end of September, perhaps beginning of October, where Jesus was born. Okay? Some of you might not have known that. But how you can work that out, there's a few things you could look at and realize in the Bible how it wasn't over December time. That the shepherds, when they watched their flocks at night, they didn't watch their flocks in the middle of winter. They watched their flocks from February to the end of September. So they would never be out on the hillside there in Bethlehem where I went to and watching the flocks because it's the middle of winter. So they end normally around September, October time. Okay? And if you look at um, Zechariah, okay, who, uh, uh, sorry, you know, Zechariah, who was uh, John the Baptist's father, he, would, he was part of, there were 24 different priestly courses and orders that they would do every single year of their priestly duty in the temple. Abijah, okay, was the head of Zechariah's family line, and they were the eighth order when it came to the 24 cycle course that happened through a year. And of his eighth order, Zechariah was within the 10th week that they would do and operate their priestly duties. And this is where the angel met with Zechariah in the, in the temple while he, was, uh, while he was doing his duty. That shows it was probably earlier in the Jewish calendar year when our year, okay? So then we can see the time frame that he was doing his duty. He was promised that Elizabeth would fall pregnant, okay? She fell pregnant fairly shortly after his priestly duty, okay? And then John the Baptist was six months ahead of Jesus in Mary's womb because it says those words in the Bible. We know that. So if you work out according to those time frames, when he did his duty and Jesus was born, John the Baptist, it comes around to end of September and October again. You can also look at astrology. They can go back and see the star that was in the sky reflects around that time of the year, the beginning of autumn, the fall, as they would call it in America, around that time. Okay? And, and as I said, Elizabeth falling pregnant. So Jesus wasn't even born in December. And here the world is having a look. At this concept, whose narrative are we believing? Whose narrative are we following? Okay. So let me ask you a question. Is the arrival as important as his departure? Okay. The arrival of Jesus we're celebrating today. He arrived in the world. Is the departure which is more important? Okay. Because, because the arrival, then there was the stay. He was here for 33 and a half years. A lot happened in that three and a half years that puts us in the position where we're at now. Just that small little time. The world's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Three and a half years shaped everything. Okay? And then he departed. Okay? Not one is more equally important than the other. They're both as important, as all important. And you know what is also as important is that he's coming back one day. That's even more exciting because we need him. Because there's a lot of chaos in this world. And he's promised us that. Okay? So this, the arrival is not more important now than the departure. Or what he arrived and what he said here. It's all as important because he's the son of the living God. Okay? It's all important. Okay? But if we stay only 
at the arrival and just hang and stay here, you've only got half the story. If you don't believe the rest of the story and the world's narrative is the, we're celebrating the arrival and we love the arrival. Do you know that they're even celebrating the arrival in the Middle East? Well, there's presents, there's Christmas trees, there's everything happening. I've been there over December. It's all happening. So are they celebrating the arrival or are they just doing everything the world's doing? But it's ours, Christmas, it's ours, it's the Christians. But the world in the Middle East is celebrating and they don't believe in the Messiah. They're waiting for the un-Messiah. Okay, so what's going down here? So I had a very interesting moment happen to me in about 2019. I started playing hockey again. And uh, yeah, I hurt myself a lot in these last few years playing hockey. But anyway, as I arrived there, I haven't met these guys. I know some guys from school and back and forth. It's a long time ago that we played together. And then, so the one guy introduces me to the one guy and says, hey, bro, this guy's a pastor and you're a Jewish guy. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, that's cool, you know? So this guy looks at me and goes, excuse me now, he goes, he says, bro, I'm your effing worst nightmare. So I was like, so I took a moment, I thought, let me consider what will get his attention back. What will I say back to him? So I said, well, hey, bro, I might be your effing worst nightmare. <laughs> I got his attention and realized, and I said to you, bro, the problem is you've only read half the story. There's more to the story that you don't believe. He's like, yeah, cool. And then we were big mates. Because, because he tried to catch me, he tried to put me down, he tried to do all sorts of stuff, trying to intimidate me, all sorts of stuff. I'm not intimidated. I've got the whole story, bro. You read half the book, okay? I read the rest. That's why I'm content in who I am, and I promise I won't be a worse nightmare. Because that's not my nature, okay? All right? Okay? And we look at the dates in the Bible, as I said to you, they are key specific times. This one isn't in the Bible. It's just the arrival of Jesus. And we get to live from this position because what's the end part? Not that it's all more important, but that 33 years changed everything. It changed your life. It changed my life. It set a whole new course on the world and how things work out. Just can we go to the next slide there, Keith, if that's possible? Nathan, he's back there. Can he do it? Can he do it? Scroll down. Push one down. Unbelievable. (laughs) Click on the screen. Thanks, Jude. Where would we be without Jude? Okay, for us to be able to, for me to mention the, the next few things, there's, there's some things we have to agree on here about how things go forward. Okay, those five words are key. We have to agree to all of these if we believe the rest of the story, if we believe how things play out here. Okay, and we have a common understanding here. So the origin is God Almighty. Okay, He is the origin of all things. As we read here in the word this morning, John 1, he's the beginning. Everything was formed and shaped in him and through him. He's the beginning of all things. Okay, we acknowledge he's the origin. God the Almighty, okay? Which if we acknowledge that origin that he creates all things and it just didn't happen by chance and we are just evolved from some monkey and I don't know why we haven't kept evolving. Why did we stop evolving? Okay? So imagine what we look like then. It'll be crazy, okay? We are assured that our identity, okay, in who we are, in who we are as people is in Christ, okay? The origin is God Almighty. We are in Christ celebrating what he's given us, okay? All morality, how we live, okay, and how we live this life is through the gift of righteousness. That is Jesus that was given to us through the gift of righteousness, which then helps us answer. These all, they build on one another. It answers then your purpose, 
Okay, so then you understand on why I live here. Why am I on earth? What's your purpose of being here? Okay, because it's for Christ that you live. You don't live for yourself. You don't live for your career. You live for Christ. Everything else follows, which then answers your destiny. And you have a purpose and understanding the destiny is where I go and what I do for the Almighty God because it's with Christ that I'm with forever. Those five words are key foundationals. If we can't believe on the origin, the next few won't follow. Then this whole celebration that we do right now is just what the world's narrative are telling you. Oh, it's Christmas. Let's give each other presents. Let's be sweet and kind to another. And we show this fake love to people because it's Christmas and we carry on. It's all nice. It should be true love. Not sweet and nasty, everybody, just because it's Christmas time. That's how we should be as believers all year round. But when one of these words you don't agree on, we fall short of what has called us to be. Okay, so I want to backtrack a little bit. And we've got to understand that it wasn't just <clears throat> a moment in time and, you know, okay, Jesus arrived, okay, we've kept him at the birth and we've all hold of this. There's a whole build-up, folks. Years and years and years of build-up to the arrival of Jesus here on earth. Okay, and we go right back to the beginning. Things were created in perfection. Two people, Adam and Eve. God created perfection. He walked with them in the garden. It was beautiful. It was perfect. And then sin came in and destroyed perfection. And the two brothers, the very, very next two people on earth, Cain killed Abel. What a great start. Hey? Okay, now what, see, see the build-up. God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, but the fall changed everything. Okay, sin came and destroyed that perfection. God's heart was always to bring his people back to him. So he chose Abraham, and he set a covenant with Abraham. And Abraham's son Isaac, which he believed as a promise for 14 years, and then had to be tested to sacrifice him. The promise was given of a covenant of a people that will chosen to you. Isaac became part of that covenant. Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had the 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel today. And there's the generational God saying, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I have chosen you as a people that will show my glory to the people on the earth. He redeemed. Then years went by, and they were Joseph came, and they were in Egypt. And then they went to slavery for 430 years. Okay? And then God came and rescued and redeemed his people out of Egypt through Moses. The bond of slavery was broken. Then he set them on place on a promised land that he had given them. But many of the generation wouldn't go into the promised land because they were disobedient and wouldn't obey what God said. And he chose Joshua and Caleb to lead them into this promised land. And he set a land for them, 12 tribes apportioned. Um, land that they would live on and thrive and flourish in. Okay, he used his prophets to speak and to judge the people. All of the time, it's to bring the people back to God, to honor him, to redeem them, to show his love for them. They would just listen, be obedient to his voice. And unfortunately, if you read through the Old Testament, many of the kings, okay, and they, well, at that time, what they were doing, the nations, they, the Israel wanted a king like all the other nations. So God said, I'm your king. You don't need a king. But they wanted a king, and he gave them Saul. And then you read through the demise of Israel, and the unfortunate words when you read through um, all, the, all the times in the Bible, it says this more about the king, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. More than it says he did good in the eyes of the Lord. Constant spiral away, constant spiral of disobedience. You see the tension building? 
attention through years and years of years of this happening. Okay, and then God even mentioned divorce to them. Your people. He says in Jeremiah 3.11, says, Faithless Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. He was so upset. Israel was the top ten northern tribes. Judah was the bottom two southern tribes. That was the whole of Israel. God was done with his people. Why? Disobedient. Choosing their own way. Worshipping other gods. Worshipping Baal. Selfish in everything that they did. But he'd given them everything. Feel the tension building? God's love hasn't changed for them. Hasn't changed for you and I. Okay? Then there were many prophecies. In those times, Isaiah, who was, I think it was 450 years before Jesus arrived, prophesied about his arrival. 450 years. Do you think at that time people believed him? They weren't around to even prove it, nor was he. But he knew God had spoken to him. Prophesied about this coming, this coming of Messiah, and the government will be on his shoulders. And to him there will be no end. It speaks about it in Isaiah. Okay? And this build-up, this build-up, this build-up of Israel just being disobedient all the time. And then 400 years of silence. God didn't speak to his people. God's no word from heaven to his people. Just to feel that, feel that. God, he didn't give up. There was another plan. 400 years, none of us will be around to even witness the length of time. So these little two years you've been through, it's going to be okay, guys. It's going to be okay. Okay? <laughs> and then, you see, we must realize that what we celebrate now is far bigger than just the arrival. This is years and years and years of build-up to the point we had to send a redeemer. And he did it in a way no one would ever have anticipated. No one would ever have figured out, no one would ever have guessed that God came as a baby in a manger <laughs> to show himself to the world in a time when Roman rule was clearly oppressing Israel. And he came at that time. Perfect timing. Okay? And 1 Timothy 1.15 says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. That's Paul, the great apostle Paul. We are all in that category. He came to save us, folks. He came to save his people, Israel, the Jewish people who were so far gone from where God had desired for them to believe and trust in him. But he had a plan. So now when we look back, and we've got 2,000 years of hindsight, like my dad said, Captain Hindsight never lost a battle. <laughs> it's always easy at the end to say, yeah, but we've done it this way, we've done it this way. Easy. Hindsight. Look now. 2,000 years have gone. The purpose, Jesus, the purpose that Jesus came was to save his people. The grace of God is that we as Gentiles have been included in that story. And we've been grafted into the bigger story. Acts 10 is when Peter goes to Cornelius' house and these Gentiles receive Christ and receive the Spirit. We're a part of that. Okay? We understand now that Jesus didn't stay as a young baby boy, didn't stay as a teenager. He grew up as a man, and it says that he grew up in favor and stature with both God and men. But what did he do? He offended the religious structure of the day. 
You know, if you understand how Jesus gained a lot of favor in that he would be asked and as a rabbi who raised up, I mean, as a 12-year-old, he was speaking in the synagogue and impressing those going, wow, where's this kid get all this knowledge and understanding? It was at that moment that he realized he was a son and that God had called him. And he was speaking to people with such revelation and understanding. But then we hear nothing else about his life for another 17, 18 years. And then when he grew up and he became a rabbi, people acknowledged him and they invited him to their synagogues to teach. To, he, was, he was welcomed. He was loved by people. And that picture we get in John, I think it's Luke 4, where he gets up in the synagogue and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that was the actual reading of the synagogue. They read through the scriptures through every year. And that Isaiah 61 was that portion of scripture that he read. It was a line to read that day. And he read that part. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. And then he stops. He doesn't say, and the vengeance of our God. He stopped. And then he sat down. He said, this has been fulfilled in your midst. And the picture that they have of these people angry at him is actually not the right picture. They were like, are you, are you actually saying you Messiah? That's you? And that's when his trouble started. Because they liked him. He was a good man. He was from a good family. But he came to oppose a system that was far greater that the Lord had said him had come to do. That's what we are called today as well. There's a system that's working against us. And we need to stand to it. And we need to stand together. Anyway, I won't go down that rabbit trail now. Eh? Raise different issues there, okay? So he opposed the religious structure of the day because he came to show a better way, okay? He broke the rules by healing people on the Sabbath. Praying to them, how dare you do that? Well, by, what, by whose rules do you live? My father, Grados, how dare he call himself the son of God? The religious were offended. They were good people, but they were stuck in tradition. Stuck in their ways, couldn't see beyond it. And he came to spark open a whole new way for his people to kind of live. Okay, and the, and the religious and the rebellious, okay, and he broke many of the rules and seemed rebellious to the system. Okay, he exposed religion and started making people's conscience uneasy. Because they started becoming aware of stuff that this external, I'm very good, I'm, I do all the things for God, external, he was talking deeper inside stuff. And their consciences started becoming aware and alive, which they didn't like because they were convicted, but they weren't convinced. How dare you say you're the son of God? Okay? He acknowledged sinners. He befriended sinners. That even offended the religious even more. How dare you hang in a tax collector's house? Who's this man? Thinks he is. Okay? He had someone on his team who had ulterior motives was digging his hands into the money jar and then betrayed him. But he still loved him. Carried on, okay? So Jesus was betrayed. He was ridiculed. He was rejected. He was hated. And eventually he was murdered. All that stuff. There was a purpose to it. The arrival is just as important as the departure. No one plays less, okay? So when we think about this time of Christmas now, and we are celebrating his arrival, we know that heaven's timing 
was perfect. 400 years of silence. Zechariah starts hearing the Caesar's angel speaking to him. And all of a sudden, the silence from heaven is broken. Bam! And heaven, God starts speaking to his people again to set this order in place. Okay? That word, when it says there in Acts, in Jesus, Acts 1-7, it says there about, you know, that it's for me, it's for the Father to know the times and the seasons. That word times and season is chronos and kairos time. Okay? Like, it's chronological time. And Kairos meaning the perfect timing of this arrival was now, boom, he arrived, okay? The world and its marketing campaign around Christmas, okay, is always trying to keep Jesus as a baby. You know why? Because a baby is not threatening. Where's a baby? The baby's not threatening. They might be time-consuming and all-consuming, but they're not threatening, Realize what the world does. The world keeps him there. Because that Jesus that grew up, he took on the system. And he wasn't going to buckle. He wasn't going to weigh according to what they were requiring of him. He came with a purpose. So what we do is we replay the nativity scene over and over and over again. Okay, and we love our kids and that we laugh. I get all that. And you're probably thinking, Sheldon, don't be like such a party pooper man. Like this is what Christmas is about. You know, every time we were at the kids' nativity plays, it was fun. Amila, you were wonderful. You were a beautiful angel, and you still are an angel, you know, even though you talk back to me sometimes and things like that. But you see, the problem that I had when these kids were doing on the nativity play, I knew the full story. But there were people sitting there acknowledging Jesus, but not wanting to acknowledge the rest of the story. So it's all sweet and nice, and we laugh at our kids, and it actually saddened me. And I often would sit with Kathy, the principal at that time, particularly the pre-primary school, and I'd sit and I'd think, yes, if I got that microphone now, what would I say? <laughs> and I'm scheming. There I'm videoing to kids. It's all beautiful. It's all fun. Yeah, we get it. Okay, we get it. But there's more. I was like, there's more to this, people. He's not in a manger anymore. Okay? He came to set a new order, a new way in place. But you're convicted, but you're not convinced. And so you don't embrace it. And you just keep him there as a baby in the manger because it's not threatening to you. It's easy to hold it there. But he's not there anymore. He's not there anymore, folks. Okay? We've got to embrace the whole story. Okay? And this time of year has become the consumer's biggest spending time. So a few things I was buying. I was asking the people I was buying, so what's your best month of the year? Oh, December. I was like, oh, that's not a surprise, is it? Because we've all been caught up in what the world says and we just partake. And go. That's why in the Middle East, there's as much shopping, as much celebrating of Christmas as there is here. But what's the reason? We've missed it. And their best month is December. And people hold on to this month because their business sustains over December. Guys, it's bigger than this. It's beyond this. Okay? Okay, so today we remember. Just as Jesus instructed us when he died on that cross for us, he said, and he came back and he instituted that covenant meal. He said, do this in remembrance of me. What we're doing today is in remembrance of what God has done by sending his son to us. Okay? So we didn't sing a few cute Christmas carols. Thank you for worshiping that we worship. We don't just sing a few songs and feel we've done the right thing on Christmas Day. And we all feel cute, cute and nice. And we didn't have a nativity scene. We don't have a Christmas tree. Sorry. But that doesn't bring the presence of God in. That's not going to change you. That just makes you feel nice. It's not about a feeling. 
It's about living, knowing the truth of the Almighty God. So I want to remind you today, He's not in the manger anymore. Okay, I want to remind you today, He's also not on the cross anymore. Okay, I remind you today, He's now seated. Meaning, the work is done. I remind you that He is now seated at the right hand of His Father. I remind you that He, He is ruling and reigning and judging the nations now. What's, what's, look what's happening. He's doing his work. Okay, I remind you that he is going to be returning for us one day. He's coming back for us. Those that are secure and know that he is. I remind you that the story is much bigger than just the arrival. And we can acknowledge that today. We thank God for that in the biggest and the best way that we can because it changed all of us. But we don't stay at the arrival. You realize there's an arrival before there's a departure. If you're going somewhere, you're going to leave somewhere first. But it means, it shows that his arrival happened, meaning he's always been. So he never came or left. He just, he just revealed God to us through flesh and man. Amen? Okay, and the reason the world won't acknowledge the rest of the story is because of these things. Okay? His love. His love exposes your shortfall. Done in love. Romans 3.23, For there is no distinction, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. His love opens up your conscience to realize of your wrongdoing. His love asks you to surrender your life to Him. His love for you asks that you relent control of your life and learn to trust Him and Him alone. What did Henry say to us? Don't try and, try and understand God. Trust God. Okay, His love asks that you trust in Him. His love asks that you acknowledge the full story, the arrival, the stay, the departure, and the return. It sounds like a movie title. They should make a movie of it one day, huh? Look how many movies narrate, narrate that picture of stuff that's happened. Look, look, okay? So are you part of the story or are you just looking in? If you're stuck at the nativity play, okay? And acknowledging, so, and I, yeah, let your life not acknowledge just half the story, okay? Let's know the full story. Let our life be a witness to the full story. May the faith and hope that's in your heart be because of the full story, and you are part of the story. And he knows you by name. <laughs> We're not excluded and just going along with the show here. He's chosen you, okay? So are you just looking in to the story, okay? And acknowledging that the purpose Jesus came was to save you from your sins. Not a cute nativity play that has no power. But it was a part of a reason of him coming to a point where he would suffer and die for you so that you could have eternal life and live with him forever. I trust you have spiritual FOMO. The fear of missing out would become a spiritual thing for you because you are missing out if you've not acknowledged the Savior Jesus and it's beyond the arrival. He's done more for us. And I want to wrap up with this just context here. John 1, he reads about the light of the world, the darkness would not overcome it. And then chapter 2 speaks about it. In chapter 3, 
is, is one of the most beautiful chapters. Because Jesus is asked to meet, or Nehemiah asks to meet with Jesus. And now Nehemiah was one of the Pharisees, one of the men of the law. And he said to, he said to, he wanted to meet with him because he wanted to ask him questions. Sorry, Nicodemus, sorry, Nicodemus, sorry. I said to my dad, Cornelius, yesterday, I was getting the name wrong. Nehemiah. That's a long way away, folks. Thanks for correcting me. See how I received correction there? See that? Eh? Laugh, people, relax a little there, eh? But he spoke to Nicodemus, Nicodemus wanted to see him. Because he said to him, you, no one can do what you're doing unless Almighty God's in him. Like, but like, and then Jesus speaks to him out, what's born of the flesh breeds the flesh. What's born of the spirit uh, births the spirit. He says, the spirit's like the wind. He says, it comes and goes. That's all the people of God. And there's that moment, if you watch the chosen, and Nicodemus is talking to Jesus, and he bows down before him, and Jesus says, no, no, stand, stand up. And he has this moment where he realizes he's touching God. That's what it became to us, people. That he didn't stay in a manger and we can sing sweet songs about Silent Night. He grew up and, and, and paid a price for us so that we are now little Christians, little Christs. We have Christ the Almighty living inside of us. Like Nicodemus held his hands there and said, I'm touching God. That's what we've been given and the closeness that's been paid for us to know. This is why you're not alone over this time. This is why the narrative of the world needs to be pushed aside. Yes, we enjoy this time. It's holidays. It's fun. We get it. All those things are happening. But the story is a lot bigger than a Christmas tree and Father Christmas and a few presents. It's far beyond that. Your life was paid and given life through the acknowledgement of who this Jesus is for you. That's why we celebrate. That's why we honor him today. And that you can say in your own heart, I have touched the Almighty God. Because his spirit is now living inside of me. And I'm with him forever because of the arrival, because of the stay, because of the departure. And we have full hope of the return for our mighty God. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Yeah, I wanted to play you a video clip. I wanted to play a song, but there's no time to do all that and stuff. Let's just acknowledge him. Jesus, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And I just want to give this moment that if you know in your heart that you feel this conviction in your heart about honoring who this Jesus is, I want you to just give that moment. Give that moment of honoring him. He's not in the manger anymore, folks. Acknowledge him. And I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit is strong on your heart that you want to acknowledge who he is. And like I said, in surrendering to him. So Father, we pray that by your spirit, the love that you have shown for us by sending your son, by showing a better way for us, by knowing that we are in you and through you, we acknowledge you, mighty God, today. Mighty God being you, Jesus, that dwelt and lived on this earth and showed us a greater way. We acknowledge you today. And we see right through the world's narrative when it comes through this. We see right through it because we see the full picture, the full story that you've painted for us. And so, Father, I speak a blessing over every single heart here today. I speak prosperity over your heart. I speak strength to your health. 
I speak that the gifts of the Spirit would become forth and rise up inside of you. I pray the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control would be evident in your life over the season. I bless you in the name of Jesus. May you know his fullness. May you know his wholeness that he has given to you over this time, that you would honor and acknowledge the full story of what Jesus has come. And don't do the duty of Christians and Christmas, but we live for you every day of our lives, mighty God. And we honor you by the power of you, Jesus. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy your families.